0: Hey Village, what's up? This is the very first bonus episode that I got to do here on the podcast. Last week, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the We Shall Overcome, celebrating LGBTQ plus diversity concert. It was hosted in Orlando, but uh, streamed virtually online and I was a part of this experience that was put on by the Orlando Gay Chorus, the Central Florida Sounds of Freedom Band and Color Guard, Q Latinx, and the Bros and Convo initiative. I had the awesome pleasure of being a part of a panel discussion following the concert with uh, two other artists in the community. And we talked about our experiences since the unfortunate murders of Ahmaud Alberry, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd as we're identifying artists uh, in our respective genres, what we did to uh, fight back and uh, create activism and awareness, how we navigated through personally, and what we're doing to move forward. So I hope you all enjoy this bonus episode and the panel discussion that we had.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Tatiana Quiroga. I'm a board member for Come Out With Pride and the director of the Community Outreach and Inclusion. So. We are celebrating Pride Week. Pride is not canceled. We're so excited to still be able to um, celebrate as a community as we should, especially in these times in this year. So what's going on this weekend? If you haven't heard yet, um, we've got Pride in the Streets. Um, That's gonna kick off this Saturday at noon. It's gonna be a uh, processional going through all the different neighborhoods in Orlando. Um, Come out a spot. You're welcome to, you know, gather with those who, who are you're, you know, quarantining with or social distance. You know, we ask everyone to wear their masks and just come and see the processional of people that, you know, are participating. Then after that, Saturday night, we've got Pride in the House, a virtual extravaganza, um, and that's going to be at eight o'clock. And in the middle of all that, we've got a whole bunch of programming, even Kids Fringe, and we've got a pre-show. So Saturday is, is going to be so full of pride that I'm just simply so excited. So for more details, to find out the route, get um, you know exactly, you know, get more updates on what's going on, please go to comeoutwithpride.com, and we are just so excited to, to have all this going on. So, so with that being said, on a a little bit more of a serious note, as excited as we are about Pride, we also want you to know that Pride is not just a party. Come out with Pride. Um, We are committed and very dedicated to um, making sure that we are highlighting uh, marginalized communities of color and marginalized communities within the um, LGBTQIA community, and that we are very much committed to racial justice and anti racism work. Um, so that is, that is something that we hold near and dear. So that's why, you know, we're so honored to um, be part of this uh, part of this panel tonight. So that being said, speaking of our panel, um, first of all, I wanna say thank you to Orlando Gay Chorus, Sounds of Freedom ba- Band and Color Guard, Q Latin X, and Bros and Convo Initiative for hosting this event tonight. Um, it has just been so powerful. Um, to just have the reminders about our history and particularly um, our history for the for the movement that has been going on for quite some time, so it was very moving to to hear all that and and it, you know just being able to be be aware of our history too is is huge. Um, that being said, too, we want to say thank you to our sponsors for uh, thank you TrueLeave, Watermark, Come Out with Pride. So so that. Let's go ahead and get our panel started. So as you guys know, we're celebrating LGBTQ diversity. We're highlighting LGBTQ plus voices that are often overlooked and um, discussing several factors such as gender, race, sexuality, that are sometimes ch- challenged by systematic inequality and manifest itself biased and racism sexism. And so kind of jumping into that. I see that we've got two of our panelists with us tonight and we're excited. Thank you so much for being here. Um, first off, we've got Patrick A. Jackson. Um, thank you, Patrick, for joining us. Uh, Patrick is an actor, teaching artist, and act and creative based out of St. Pete's and is an alumni of Morehouse College. He is an an adult education associate with American Stage Company and has appeared on stages all across Tampa Bay and Central Florida. Outside of the theater, Patrick provides creative support and virtual production services for nonprofits throughout with his company, Live Five Creation, and hosts the Black Hand Side, a cultural podcast. So welcome, Patrick.
0: Thank you so much, Tatiana. And thank you uh, to all the organizations hosting this event. It's such a pleasure to be on the panel tonight.
1: Thank you. And then we've got um, Brandon Morton. And so, Brandon is an Orlando area actor, musician, composer. He's very busy, who <laughs> has performed in Walt Disney as well as other um, orchestras and theater companies. For the last three years, Brandon has been a member of the board for Orlando Gay Chorus and has volunteered as the Orlando as the representative for um, One Orlando Alliance. In the last few months, Brandon has had, I'm sorry, with the last few months, Brandon with a few uh, musician friends has, gotten the opportunity to perform an hour-long virtual show, A Voice of Justice, which um, uses song to take the audience through the Black American experience. Lastly, Brandon's Brandon's last project, sorry, um, is a series called Black and Queer, which highlights Black LGBTQ history, and it is available on his Instagram feed at Brandon Martin Music.
2: Thanks, thanks Tatiana. Glad to be here.
1: Well, wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for for taking the time. Um, and let's let's totally dive into it. Do wanna do wanna note that due respecting time, speaking of time, we um we did go. We are going to go ahead and use questions that have been submitted beforehand. So making sure we're clear on that. So first question, and um, we'll start with you, Patrick, and then move on to Brandon. So for some, being an artist means being able to communicate your um, mental state and using arts in that form, right? So given the current political and social climate around the movement for racial equality, how are you as an artist channeling this in your work?
0: That's a great question. Thank you, Tatiana. I I did want to point out uh, Catherine, uh, the other uh, panelist is actually here. I just, I didn't want her to miss her introduction.
1: Oh, sorry, Catherine, I I completely didn't see you there. Um, Let me go back, Catherine, thank you so much for being able to join us. So Catherine, um, Catherine identifies as a queer first-generation Jamaican-American woman Six years ago, she found her voice through, spoke, through art of spoken word and since then performed in local open mics in the Orlando area and has performed for organizations such as Zebra Coalition, Peer Support Space and Safe House. She hopes to inspire others through um, speaking their truth in form of personal liberation. Thank you, Catherine.
3: Thank you so much for welcoming me here. This is an honor and a gift and I'm excited to be with other creatives and talk about how we liberate each other and um, the community through our work.
1: Wonderful. So going
3: back, let's see
1: if we, um, if we restating the the first question and if Patrick, you still wanna be the first one to jump in. Sure. So, you know, being in the in the current climate that we are right now, with you know this huge movement for um, racial equity, how as an artist have you been able to you know channel this moment?
0: Mm. Uh, I love that question. Uh, the the first thing I think about when I think about energy and the momentum that that's kind of um, been reignited um, uh, after the unfortunate passing of of Amar Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, I think about a Maya Angelou quote, and I'm gonna paraphrase it, but she says, um, you should be angry, you must not be bitter. Bitterness is like a cancer. It does nothing to uh, to the host. Um, and basically the central part of the the quote that keeps uh, me moving forward is that you have to keep on talking. It. And so uh, when all these situations occurred in late May, June, um, I had a unique opportunity at my theater being the only staff member of color to use my experiences um, to continue conversation. So, um, I led an African American theater legacy course, and through the summer, uh, I we had an overview of different parts of African American uh, theater history, from from uh, you know their origins of stereotypes and caricatures um, to all the way through now. Leading uh, musicals like *A Strange Loop*, um, and the contributions that not only Black artists but Black queer artists are making. Uh, and I'm also doing that with my with my own podcast that actually, ironically, launched in July. I had planned it anyway to happen in July, but it just happened to fall around everything that was happening. Divine order, I will accept that. Uh, and then finally, I have been fortunate to partner with other organizations. There is an improv company that started in the midst of the quarantine. Called socially distant improv, and we host a weekly uh, Facebook Live panel that is titled "Anti-Racism for Comedy Folks." So we specifically talk about anti-racism practices in the comedy arena, and we know in comedy, you know, black and queer people are nothing but <laughs> caricature. And so we we have constant conversation about how to make those spaces safe and inclusive for not just black and queer people, but everyone.
1: Thank you, Patrick, and I really like the point that you brought up of, of making sure that we're continuing these conversations and that it's it's basically not like a trendy hashtag and that we're still keeping it you know, in line and making sure that we're keeping true to um, the movement and really, to me, making sure that we're keeping accountability because part of that is making sure that we're continuing those conversations. So thank you. Uh, Brandon, would you like to jump in?
2: Sure, so um I think what I've done over the past few months has been a mix um, <clears throat> as an artist as a performing artist uh what I've had the the pleasure of doing is is collaborating with um, with Orlando area uh, performers. I know we got to do some uh, some virtual uh videos one that comes to mind is uh, till we reach that day um from Ragtime that uh, we got to put together, which was uh, fantastic. So shout out to Desiree uh, for doing that. Um, and another one that I got to do with, uh, as we, as you mentioned, uh, Tatiana in, in the intro, a friend of mine, Kevin Wu, who um, we've gotten to work together uh, on other projects and we recorded a, a, a Make Them Hear You uh, rendition, um, which kind of sp- spun into the show that we do together, A Voice of Justice. And I'm so glad to get to do that show. Um, I learned a lot and it is my hope that the people that get to see that show learn from it as well. Um, but it's been a mix of, of that as well as, um, uh, like you said, I've been uh, gotten to be involved with the Orlando Gate Chorus and, and kind of you know, being involved in other uh, volunteer efforts uh, throughout these last few months uh, as well,
1: so. Sabrina, so I'm curious, you, you said that you learned, that you learned something from one of the shows. Interested to hear what that is.
2: Um, I mean, it's, I guess you could say on the one hand, I, I, I'll, I'll put it this way, we all have different experiences. So on the one hand, obviously, being a, in my skin, you know, I, I definitely have certain experiences, but... We all have different experiences. Uh, you know, there's no monolith of the black community, and and like I'm, you know, coming from a Caribbean background, so you know, there are just different experiences that I've had. Uh, Grenada, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, so just learning from different different black experiences, black American experiences um, that I did not grow up with. Um, so that's kind of what I. Yes.
0: Mm. Awesome.
3: Catherine? Uh, Sure. So um, just to restate the question, it's how has our work evolved or what have we been doing um, given the current state of Mm -hmm. um, everything going on? Okay. Um, So yeah, I I got a lot just from what my fellow panelists said. Um, I really relate to the Um, speaking and using your voice as a form of advocacy, and also um, recognizing that uh, black people are unique and we're not a monolith. And um, that's something that I try to honor in myself and with um, others around me. Um, But essentially, I I did take a good time to rest and also to really invest in my joy during this time. So it wasn't um, so much about um, uh, working, being productive. Um, It was about um, filling myself up. And um, sometimes uh, my work in in poetry and spoken word um, helps with that. And other times it really is me just needing to like take a chill pill, slow down. And I think through doing that, um, others kind of like see that example and see that model and are like, okay, I can like kind of relax too. Um, but the biggest thing really is um, the self advocacy. And that's what I learned so much through spoken word. So, um... Currently, I'm working um, with a group of about uh, 15 youth and um, uh, teaching them how to be um, sexual health advocates for themselves and others. But there's so many different mediums to do that, and spoken word is, like, one of the biggest mediums that um, has worked for me. So um, we just had um, a meeting the other day where we were kind of, like, exploring, like, what are the, what are the things that they have, what have been their um, worst and best experience? in life and what lessons have they learned and so I think like this time especially like when I saw um, George Floyd's funeral it was like such a sad time but when I saw that funeral it was like man, like something so terrible, something so gruesome can be like used as a way to like motivate and um, immortalize people. So um, that's really what um, I think I've been doing um, with spoken word, using it as a form of advocacy for myself, but also empowering others to find their voice um, through it. Um, and if it's not through spoken word, finding some other type of medium. But um, the vo- your voice is something, it's, it's a power that um, really no one can take away from you, um, at least in a, in a legal way. Um, so, yeah.
1: So I love it because what I hear from all three of you um, is really kind of taking these moments these last couple of months and obviously all the unfortunate things that have happened, but then really turning them and using them as an advocacy tool um, an empowerment and creating something from that, right? And then also too, Catherine, I love the part that you brought up about the self-care because we know that where it was wonderful that we saw this like, this huge interest suddenly, because we, we know that the systematic racism has obviously been happening for years. This is not anything new to a person of color. Um, but now now it's a hashtag. So now it's gotten you know major corporations even saying it. so now it's the thing. Um, so it was it was you know speaking as a Latina, it was nice to hear that suddenly there was this spark, right that we're gonna move this movement forward. But at the same time, there was also this exhaustion that came with it. And so Catherine, I love the part that you talked about um, the self-care that you realized that you were needing to do. Um, you know, if there was a little bit more that you wanted to share about that, or if Patrick or Martin, you, you kind of um, felt that, you know, self-care kind of, you know, coming to the surface for you too.
3: I'll give them an opportunity to speak if they connected to it and on any level.
2: I can definitely acknowledge that there were days where I was exhausted, yes. Exhausted, frustrated, just needed the day for myself. So I can definitely attest to that. I'm sure most people of color could (laughs) be living through all of the the last summer. Um,
0: Yeah. There's something so... uh so interesting about this this summer uh, specifically because this isn't the first time we've we've dealt with these experiences, um, but the way I processed it this time was different. And I love what Catherine said about filling herself up. Um, a part of my spiritual practice is is you know meditation and stillness and silence and and kind of manifesting prosperity. But a part of that prosperity consciousness is, is from and not from my cup. And in this experience, I, you know, I found that I was giving from not just my saucer but my cup. Um, and so, in in this time to find self care, I really had to step back and um, reevaluate how I was advocating and how I was protesting. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 now. You know, 10 years ago, when when things were starting and, and and stuff with Trayvon Martin and all this stuff, you know, I was out in the streets hard, um, but that was also taking so much out of me emotionally, not just like energy-wise, but just emotionally, I, I still, I could not function. Um, and so I I really had to be intentional about choosing when to go out in the streets this time and protest, mm-hmm. when to use my gifts and talents as an artist to protest, and when to just sit back, pray, meditate on it, hold that consciousness, because that is, that is the fight too. Um, and, and Having full
3: conversation.
1: Mm. Wonderful. So, moving on to our next question. um, Obviously, not having to tell you, you know, you all, because you are, you know, obviously artists. But, you know, there, we know that there's an unspoken truth, and in the performing arts, um, and that there's a long, like, secret, and really knowing that there's a lack of. Diversity and visibility in the performance industry when it comes to everything from body shape to race to gender. Um, and, and we know that there's a huge underrepresentation. Um, so, what would be some recommendations that you all would have for curators or artistic directors who are genuinely and, and really meaningfully trying to incorporate more diversity and equity? Um, Catherine, you want to go
3: first? Sure. Um, The first word that pops into my mind is accountability, because like on their own, like, there's no way that they can, like, spot out what are my biases, what are my blind spots, like, you know, even if I want to do something, like, what are my colleagues going to say, or, like, who's going to, like, who from the chain of command is going to, like, come here and be, like, you know, hell no, shoot this idea down. So, um, having um, some form of accountability, and I, I think um, one of, like, the people that put this together, um, Christopher Cuevas, um, uh, it was it was part of uh, making in in Orlando at least a um, uh, anti-racist um, evaluation scoring card. So something like that that could be given and mandated um and that could be um like you, you know so it's like it's not just like okay I'm going to make these decisions here and there but no like I have this thing that I'm going to like chart down like what are my decisions where is my budget going how many people of color queer people disabled are like am I working with and like then I have to answer to someone if I fall short in that area
1: mm-hmm. for sure and that would that would be amazing because that would be changing the whole entire system. Right? So that, that would be wild. Uh, Brandon?
2: Yeah. uh, As a creator, um, thing that comes to mind is, uh, internally knowing and feeling, uh, that what you have to say is, is valuable. Um, and knowing that each one of us has something that, that, yeah, inside of us that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be the main thing I, I'd say.
1: Okay, thank you. Patrick?
0: I love that, the anti-racism report card. I just think that is, whew, I love that. I would love to bring that to my organization. I'm gonna hit Crystal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that. Um, the the thing I think about um, initially, uh, right when everything started happening in June, um, a lot of, um, black and brown artists got together that work regionally and in and, and Broadway and all that. They got together and they created a list of demands um, and it, it's gone around and it's accessible at We See You White American Theater, right? So they made the statement and then shortly after that statement came out, they created a list of demands and they are they are actionable things that, that theater makers, that producers, that creative companies can just look at. We know everything is not going to happen overnight but the list of demands is it is really really thorough um and even myself as a black you know queer identifying man i was just like wow there were some things on that list that i wasn't even thinking about you know shortening a tech rehearsal didn't think about that you know not having a tech rehearsal on a saturday or sunday because you know a lot of cultural communities have religious services on those days i just I wasn't even thinking about that. So there are resources already out there. Um, That's a great document. And the only other suggestion I can think of is um, listening, seeking to understand rather than seeking to be understood and just giving yourself grace because this is a process. Like it took us 300 years like in slavery. So like, it's it's cool. I get it, (laughs) we're working.
1: (laughs) Right. And Patrick, I like that you say that there. You know, there. You know, you shared this incredible resource that is out there and and is so detailed. Um, and that even as a person of color, you learned something from it. Um, which you know, like again, as people of color, we're not always experts in this. We're it's just our life. Like the, <laughs> we're experts in our own experience. Um, and you know, and how we move through our. You know, how we navigate through our life. Um, but you know, along this along this this thread, I was you know kind of wondering. As you know, as artists, um, was it challenging at all? Were you ever approached by um, you know the the larger system by you know leadership and and the performing arts world to ask you like what what should we do now?
2: That has happened, um, and I think it's a mix of. Yeah, realizing you should not have all the answers, and it's not your full responsibility, um, and and realizing that, just like, that it needs to be an effort that, it shouldn't be on on our shoulders necessarily.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been. I've been asked. Um, I mean, when this was when this stuff happened you know, my producing artistic director, she called me, um, not just as like, oh, I know you're the only Black person, but she genuinely wanted to just check in on me. Um, and I was honest with her. I said, I'm I'm living multiple truths. I want to still do my work, but I am exhausted. Um, I'm I'm happy to, you know, have conversation, but please don't ask me to be the leader. You know, I would love to be in the group, but I, I don't desire to lead. And she respected that. Um, and we've been moving forward with things, but, that's what I hope leaders can understand, that no black or brown person has all the answers. Cause we, like you said, Tatiana, we have various experiences, um, but hopefully you will listen <laughs> to, to all of the experiences that you can and just do what you can.
3: Right. Yeah, um, I could speak um, in the spoken word uh, community. Um, in general, I think we're made up of people that are pretty marginalized, misfits, et cetera. So I think like on our own, we kind of like have some of the tools and we kind of get each other but um, I will say like in my uh, personal life in my um, recovery communities and in my job as a sexual health educator, um, I have been um, asked certain things and it always is an awkward thing. I'm glad that you, you both validated the whole like, like I'm, I don't have all the answers and I'm not the representative for all black people everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's hard and so, I think just like being in community with other people that like get that and you know, you're not the only one who's getting those questions and being able to like advocate for yourself. Like I hear that you both are doing and be like, you know, listen, I could help to the capacity of which I could help, but um, I'm also exhausted and I'm getting this from all angles. Like you're Mm -hmm. not the only white person that's asking me how I'm doing. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Right, and so, and I, and what I hear from that is again that like self care component of you know that is so important, and and also too of realizing that um you know it doesn't fall all on our shoulder and that it's got to be shared labor, you know, and sometimes you know letting go a little bit of that and having allowing for somebody else to take the labor, um, you know is is it's huge and it's a lesson. You know, especially if, like you said, we are held as as representatives. Like suddenly, we like we know everything. We're supposed to speak for this entire race and know all the answers and be an expert on on it completely. So, being able to let go of that and, and having those boundaries and self care. So, our next question: um, Knowing that there's lots of you know lots of myths that happen. Um, in the performing arts world, about um, you know trying to incorporate and trying to you know engage um, the Black and, and other you know brown communities, um, you know how would you how would you guys um, challenge those misconceptions and you know what happens when you call that system out, um, Patrick?
0: The first the first thing I think about is. Um, Dominique Morso has uh, a list of uh, playwrights' requests or, or rules that she includes uh, with all of her plays. And one of the lines in there that uh, it says, um, for some of us coming to see this play is a spiritual experience. You may hear some amens and ahas and you know other uh, just vocalizations, be okay with that and enjoy the ride. And that is when I think about about black and brown culture, you know, that that is us in a nutshell. Like it, we express loudly, not just because we're angry, but because we, we love something. And um, in the Eurocentric kind of view of the arts, it's very prim and proper. I sit in my place and, I, you know, I, I applaud and that's it. Um, but when somebody's on stage, whether they're, they're sharing a spoken word piece or if somebody's singing or singing, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, we—I I, want to scream. I want it. I want to yes. I want. Yeah. I want. You know. oh I I want to let them know that they are they are entertaining me. Um, and we have to call that out. You know, if a white person is is looking at me weird, I will just turn and say, "It's a great performance. You should relax. You know, <laughs> just just call it out." Um, and. And there's more conversations happening about that now. I'm glad. Um, I think changing performance spaces can also help with that conversation. So not a traditional theater, using uh, unconventional spaces for performances, performing outside, going to those communities instead of expecting them to come to those theaters can also reduce some of that stigma.
1: Mm -hmm. Wonderful, thank you. Brandon? Um, I would say,
2: Within my space, um, there's a big conversation happening, and I don't know if this gets to the question, but a conversation happening as far as um, programming and composers and and whose voices are heard. Um, In the choral kind of choral music realm, classical music realm, um, there just aren't a lot of Black voices. Like, that's just kind of not a thing. So the conversation is starting, the ball is, is rolling slowly, uh, but I think people are are starting to realize it, it. We need to. I've I've even seen like you know hand over the baton kind of like memes, whatever yeah, hashtags and things like that. But the point being, kind of you know, lend your focus or pass the focus over to to someone else, um, making sure those people are heard. So.
1: Nice, thank you, Catherine.
3: Um, so I guess being poets and kind of like inherently, like we're calling stuff out. Like if like someone looked at me the wrong way, like I'm writing a poem about it and I'm going to let like a room full of strangers know. And that's kind of like the theme for um, spoken word. So I think we're really good at like calling people out and we have like a lot of pain that we're expressing and it becomes like this, you know, therapeutic environment but what I do think could be a lot better is like how we call people in. So mm-hmm. like being those okay. like kind of misfits, we have some pain going on, like we we don't always know how to like interact and socialize and there's the awkwardness. And so like, being able to like, you know, like pull a poet to this, like sometimes it's like there's drama between poets and like instead of just talking to the poet, someone will make a poem about it and present it and they'll be like, oh, we know who they're talking about. Um, So like being able to be like, hey, like when you said that thing, like it really hurt me or like, you know, I wonder how like this population feels about like some of the things that you're doing. And I mean, there, there have been spaces like where People have been like abusive to others in the community, and they've been like, you know, called out or called in, and like kind of like um, removed from the community to make it safe. But I do think um, I know that everybody doesn't have the capacity for it, and I also know that um, like it's not it's not ever our responsibility to um, have that labor of like you know teaching people or helping people. But um, as an educator, there are times when I when I do have that in me and. Uh, you know, I, maybe some other people do. So I think we could do a better job of like, instead of writing a poem or like getting up in someone's face, like just like hand holding a little bit or just being like, listen, when you mm-hmm. did this, like it wasn't cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think again, it almost brings back to like that, that level of capacity that each of us sometimes has. And again, the self care of like, is it in, you know, is it in me today? Do I want to take up this conversation, or you know, like Patrick was saying, like, nope, today's the day that I'm going to pray and meditate, and I'm going to keep on walking because I will never see this person again. (laughs) 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 Those days, the checkout line where I'm like, nope, I'm going home. And so, you know, it really, it really just kind of depends. Again, you know, each of us with our own experiences. So, so that being said, um, you know, I would love to hear some closing thoughts. Um, Brendan, if you want to go first.
2: Um, I think, uh, like we said, making sure that people are listening. Um, it's easy to get caught in our own bubble and, and or, or, or kind of stay within, our, our own thoughts, and, and uh, this is definitely the time, while everything else is being shaken up, uh, to um, to really be open to what the world can be and what we all can do, because we all have something that we can contribute, what we all can do to, to, um, to be anti-racists uh, and to really better better the world. So that'd be my, my thought.
1: Awesome, thank you.
3: Katherine? Um can I close on a poem?
0: Sure <laughs> Yes yeah, yeah, I'm ready.
3: Cool, yeah I mean, I mostly write about healthy relationships and and like you know stuff, but like my poetry really like does document like a journey of like healing for me um and so um this was a poem I recently wrote just about like healing and stuff so I'll just read that as my closing okay how I know I'm healing. I no longer resonate with Yestica Salgado, the sad poems and the hopeless romantics of losing myself to empty men. I don't go to parties in search of a happily ever after as much as I do a good old time. I'm on step nine and I've since then cut off all my soul ties with people who never really gave a damn about me. I forgave my brother for the years of stealing, jewelry, credit cards and trust and men I reconciled with my cousins for their explicit teachings that a woman's worth has less to do with who she is and is more so about how much she gives. When I go out, I look cute, not to be seen by hungry people looking to bury their wanton bones in my self-made castle as much as I do, as much as to be desired by my own damn self. When you call, I don't pick up, even if it's for the second time in a row, a special persistence that makes me feel wanted. I deleted your number. Finally, once and for all, I gave up hope that a guy who lied to me so many times before had anything more credible to say. I stopped believing in your potential and started developing my own. I stopped focusing on what was wrong in other people's lives and started focusing on mine. I stick it out in a 12-step group, not because I like it, but because I have to, because it continues to be the only thing that keeps me sober. Yeah. I started believing in God not the God I grew up on, someone, something I can see my reflection in, something that gives me a reason for being here, a force that makes me feel honored and special. I still feel jealous when I see couples, but my knee-jerk reaction is not to call up someone who would in turn desire all of me offering nothing in return, Mm -hmm. who believes their very presence is a present, even though they're not present at all. Instead, I call up a friend. I can identify available and unavailable people when I see them, like the cute girl at the poetry reading who catches my eye. But I know when I'm more interested in using than being of use, and I've done enough work to know I could hurt people too, so I keep it moving. When my mom becomes enraged that I am in fact just like her, some tainted reflection she has not yet grappled within herself, I do not snap. I do not react, I respond, I listen, I walk on. My poetry has evolved just like me. No longer do I sip on infatuous love tales gone sour. I think little of people who think little of me. I think more about what I deserve. I go to therapy like it's motherfucking church. It is my salvation. I will get baptized in my therapist's vision for my life if I have to. I have a vision for my life because I have to, and it has never been clear. Thank you.
0: Ah. (laughs) Hallelujah.
1: (laughs) Drop the mic.
0: Uh, (laughs) My God.
2: Mm. Wow.
1: Mm. Wow. Thank, thank you.
2: you
0: yes, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Whew. Yes. Oh man, I don't know if I can follow that up, and that's I, know, all right. I, was here to say I love that. I love that too. I love thank you so much, Catherine. Mm.
1: You're welcome.
0: Um. Uh, my final thought is this. Um, I, I was I was offered this insight. Uh, by my spiritual leader, as I was going through my own process of recovery. And he gave me these, these three words, um, react, respond, relate. Those are the ways we connect to people. When we first start, we can react, right? Who are you talking to? Oh no, you didn't. Oh, I love <laughs> him. I wanna be with him, right? We can do that. Then we elevate, we grow, we evolve. We start to respond. We think first for a second and then we speak. And then the final step is to relate. I talked about grace earlier, extending that grace. That's how we're gonna come together. I know the bigot screaming at me is communicating to me from a learned perception. And before I come back at him, I have to give him grace. Now, I I may still correct him, I may still correct him, and we may still have a heated debate but there is no need for me to, to go to that level. So I, I challenge everyone. And I know we are in the season. We got 26 days, y'all. I get it. <laughs> relate. That is the goal for us to relate. Um, and that's it. Uh, drink your water. Stay black. Stay brown. And uh, mind your business.